Hey family, welcome to the Kinship Collective Podcast. This is a conversation holding space for people who have been wounded by faith so that we can reimagine it together. And we have an upcoming event we want you to be at. We've all come across information or had experiences that have disoriented our faith. Those experiences can make us ask questions like, is this even true or is this just a big campfire story? Well, on Saturday, March 4th, we are partnering with All Saints Church in Pasadena to host our second kinship night with Brandy Miller. She's the host of the Reclaiming My Theology podcast and Mark Chase, who's the associate rector at All Saints. We intend to have a conversation about how we can decolonize and deconstruct our faith without getting totally disoriented in the process. Registration will be live soon. Check out our website to register and stay tuned with our social media. Let's get to the conversation this week. This week, we get to hang with Luca Petrucci. Luca is a youth inclusion and empowerment coach. He's a speaker. He's the host of the podcast, Free to Be with Luca. He's a brand and marketing consultant and an LGBTQIA advocate. Our conversation centers on the reality that it sometimes costs a lot and hurts a lot to be authentic. Luca shares his journey of coming out and how he's learned to belong to himself first. Then we ask some questions about Romans 5 verses 3 through 5 and we find an invitation to patient self-discovery and integrity. Without further ado, here's our conversation with Luca. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have an extraordinary human. To me, I feel like this person represents authenticity and I'm lucky enough to know the work and the journey that it's taken for them to be who they are. His pronouns are he, him, his. He is a youth inclusion and empowerment coach. He's a speaker. He's the host of the podcast, Free to Be with Luca. He's a brand and marketing consultant and an LGBTQIA plus advocate. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please stand to your feet and give it up for Luca Patrucci. Luca, good morning, man. Thank you for making time to be here. How the heck are you? I'm so damn good. I feel like I'm on this talk show in front of like 20,000 people right now. <laughs> Come on. Want to know want to know what I just envisioned? Um us being on a stage like Oprah was for her 2020 um like vision stadium mm-hmm. tour. So thanks Come for on. creating that energy. Yes, uh, Luca I, I it's like I don't want to keep the dead air space, but my mind fills with ideas of how you welcome people to authenticity, how you live such an inspiring lifestyle that is held in tension with 
the sacrifices that I know you've made to be who you are, to become who you are becoming, and to do what you do now. Luke, I'm so grateful for this time together. And I guess to me, I, that leads us to this question. The first question is, what does it mean to be you? I think that's a question I might have stole from you. But I think that it's helpful. It gives people some context for who you are. So Luca, what the heck does it mean to be Luca? You know, it's interesting just just in that moment. I think it what it means to be me is to pause and be curious. I I know that the one of the things that is true about me and everybody but we're talking about me right now is that I'm changing and that I'm evolving and that who I am right now in this moment is not who I will be tomorrow or later mm-hmm. today. So I would say for the first time in my life, I'm declaring that I'm an evolution of myself. You know, there's so many things that I know about my human experience and who I am. And there's so many things that I'm learning and I I, 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 I have yet to discover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so it, it's just that that's really, you know, I, I would definitely say, you know, I'm I'm a curious human. Um, I, I used to always want to be right and have mm-hmm. all the answers and be so clear with my beliefs and checking the boxes and doing everything to get straight A's or a gold star or a high five. And I'm learning, like, there's not a lot of possibility in that. It, it's, it's, it's a box that for so many years, you know, I mean, it's really not created for a queer human who's very feminine and a child at heart, you know. So I really had to create my own mold and break out of one that mm. I never fit in. So I'm just, you mm-hmm. know, I'm creating this like unicorn. I, I'm <laughs> I have my unicorn birthday balloon right in front of me. I turned 30 a few weeks ago. So like <laughs> I'm just creating like this mold that's like unicorn, rainbow, like easily movable mm-hmm. and changeable. Um Yeah, so that's a little bit about who I am right now. Luca, I love that you shared that with us. And for me, when I think about who you're becoming and the ways that you are forging that identity, I think there are some assumptions about how we can do that, who we're becoming, where identity is grounded, that many of us have never maybe felt permission to establish or question or create. I want to know for you, what did it take to give yourself permission to begin to form and listen to your heart and what was coming up from within you about your identity? And then also to begin to proclaim that in the world. 
Yeah. Gosh, you know what? It suffering. I think about it's almost been eight years since I came out as a gay man to my mom. I felt that that was like really a significant moment. Um, mm -hmm. And right before that, a guy that I was dating in the closet ended up, we broke up. He showed up in my apartment. We lived like four hours away from each other, showed up unexpectedly on my bed. A, a roommate let him in because he thought he was a friend and was like, if you do not get back with me, I am going to out you to your mom and to your whole family. Whoa. And like in that moment, I was like, what the hell? Like, you know, I, I was... In that moment, deep in my gut, I'm like, gosh, it is so time for me to tell my mom and to start expressing this. And it's mm -hmm. interesting, just like the question you asked, I'm like, dang, like that was such a, a, a moment of suffering in my life. It was so unexpected. And like from that, he ended up leaving. He, he was living in Northern California. I was living um, in Anaheim at the time in Southern California and he ended up going back home and um, knocking on my mom's door and outing me, you know? So that's how my mom found out that I was gay. He was at her, her, her oh, home for man. about three hours. Um, and gosh, oh. I mean that, then, then that experience of my mom finding out there confronting me, like it was not at all how I imagined my coming out experience to be. And, mm. You know, it looking back now, like, would I have wanted to go through that suffering and that pain? And do I wish that on anyone? No, to enter their freedom. And like, it happened how it happened. And from that, that suffering just ignited, like, okay, well, your mom knows. <laughs> and that was the person that you were the most scared to, to share and, and express to, like, mm -hmm. I guess this is the step you're going to take at 22. Mm. That feels, I feel angry that someone would do that. It makes me feel, um, it's kind of sobering to realize that there are people out there who are hurt and operate from a kind of different set of values that would try to manipulate you in that way. <sighs> Man, that feels terrible and tough and frustrating. And I think for me, the thing that comes up for me around that is that there have been things in my own life where had someone else not push me beyond where I was, whether that was, for me, a lot of it is like, there's an image, there's image things. And it's, it's almost like, Luca, I would want to say, I don't, you know, um, do this anymore. But it's almost, it's one of these core, not an adaptation to my story, but it's a core mechanism that I've developed it's a, it is a self-defense mechanism in life. And that is to try and manage people's perception of me. It's not wrong. It is what it is. 
but there are times where that that instinct will always be I'm not going to say that it will always be that strong but it has been a part of my life for a long time and there are times where someone has to break you out of that because that behavior or whatever it serves whatever kind of space you're in and so to hear that someone else you know stole that opportunity for you to share with your mother first is tough but then to hear you talk about how you process it now feels helpful it kind of feels like that hindsight 2020 kind of deal how did you feel in the moment i mean i would have been absolutely livid yeah i mean i've definitely talked about it enough and processed enough and i'm at a point where i fully forgiven um, this human and i don't hold on to um any anger right now but i mean like in the moment let me just close my eyes and really just take myself back there um i was like uh, that I, i've been in complete shock probably less than three times in my life and i was like is this a movie i'm like it honestly felt i was like yeah. what is this um so yeah. i was like sh i was shocked i was like um I was scared, like when mm -hmm. he like threatened to out me. I was so scared, and like, gosh, all the 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 what ifs creeped mm -hmm. in. Mm. Um, I was worried, and <laughs> the juxtaposition of life. I was also like, um, you gotta go because I have plans to go to a fun ass party tonight. I was interning at <laughs> Disneyland. It was like all of these like fun Disney like coworkers, and we were about to live it up. And I'm like, there's not room for you on the guest list. Like you got to go. Um, so yeah. it, it's so interesting because like in that moment, I was like, I. Yeah, it's just interesting how like two or many different feelings can exist at once. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, this is something that I'm learning today how it's so important for me and my mental health to find a way for lightness to coexist with darkness and heaviness because mm. I know that's just a fact of life, that challenge, that suffering and like intentional fun with friends and planning things is so important in my week. And like looking back, I'm so damn glad that I had that plan the same day with a group of friends that were just so affirming. I ended up mm. coming out to my first friend that night, Angelica, such an angel in my life and mm. affirmed me and hugged me and was like, let's go celebrate you being gay tonight. You know? So Mark, all that happened probably within three hours. Um, and like looking now, I'm 30. That was 22 year old me. 22 year old me. I'm mm -hmm. like, fuck. I, uh, sorry. Is kissing allowed? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I was like, Luca, 22 year old Luca, you are so resilient and mm. capable. Mm -hmm. Like, and there's so much love surrounding you. You know, mm -hmm. like there is so much love. So it's so 
just life and life experiences are so interesting. And time and time again, I'm learning. I'm not surprised by life. The craziest things have happened. And I'm resilient and can move through whatever experience I'm dealt or I, I, I yeah, happens to me or yeah. Mm. I appreciate you sharing that. And I think about when you mentioned that the, uh, the multitude of emotions that we can feel in a moment like that. And for me, I think the opportunity with you specifically in the conversation to think about authenticity, because I, I keep saying that word for you, because I watch how you move with people. I watch how you move on social media and I'm watching you fight back for that identity. You've, it's almost like you've put in too much time, too much effort, too much therapy, too much work to be free and to be completely kind of integrated, to find integrity within yourself and alignment and truth that you represent what that can be for many people Whoever, when we find ourselves, what feels, what stands out to me right now is like in a time of transition, let's say somebody is transitioning from one work thing to another, or you're trying to discern or try to figure out a relationship challenge in the space in between there, in that transition space, I think you welcome us to encounter to identify truth to try and name some of the complexities in there and then to really get after what feels true and authentic what would you speak to our siblings the people who are listening they might find themselves in a transition period right now or they're they've had a thing that they just haven't been able to accept about themselves it could be a past failure. It could be a hope and a dream. It could be a desire that they've just never really embraced about themselves. What would you invite them to do? What would, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, that question really resonates because I'm in the midst of transition. And I'm learning. Mm. I always will be and we always are. Yeah. Some moments it feels like, more than not. And for me, okay, something that I have to do so many times a day because it's the default story in my head is around worry, worrying that things won't work out, that they'll that I'll fail, that I'll lose everything, that I don't know, just worry and I have to I I'm learning to catch myself in those moments and be like Luca, like Trust yourself, trust your decisions, trust that the universe is conspiring to support you and trust that things mm. will happen better than you imagine. You know, just look back at your life and, mm -hmm. and the challenges you've moved through those and like you feel the most free that you've ever felt. So that's, that's something that I would offer is just getting clear on the story that's in your head that's making you small or that's making mm -hmm. you scared and 
like figure out the anecdote that will support you in sort of shaking that off. Like a recent declaration that I created is my creativity provides abundantly. My creativity mm-hmm. provides abundantly. And, and for me, it just, it gets me back into my authenticity because, you know, I think about it from a few different perspectives, like my creativity, my like speaking and drawing in my journal and, and writing and free movement dance in my living room and all my longboard, like that's creativity. And creativity also means like resourcefulness, you know? talking to the mm-hmm. right people, asking for the right support. Um, I don't know. They're just so creativity means so much to me. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, that's, that's a big, a, a daily practice that I'm in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to move through transition and, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like, like uh, another thing that like, I, I really love vision work and like visualization meditation. And, you know, I think mm-hmm. when I think about vision work, I think a lot about my definition of faith, which is, you know, belief in the unseen plus committed action plus patience. And, mm. hmm. I know that being able to see possibility is a privilege for me today. Um, having a core value of possibility, I remember like, you know, so it is a lot of me. And I remember being a sophomore in high school and trying to envision possibility in my future. And it was dark it was blank because i could not see a future with a wife and that's what i was told is all about you know it's like a family a home a a wife a kids and in that moment i thought that i was gonna die young i i didn't think about suicide then i was just like gosh i think something tragic's gonna happen because i cannot see this future Mm-hmm. And like now, I mean, that was, gosh, probably 15 years ago, 15 or 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. And now like I, I can clearly see a future for myself. If I close my eyes, uh, move through a visualization meditation, I have, um, light year leadership has a free power. My future course. It's where I threw, I'm a certified coach through and I, maybe we can put it in the show notes. If someone wants to do a visualization mm-hmm. of themselves in three and five and 10 years, mm-hmm. it's a free resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so, you know, that that's another way how I'm able to move through transition is I see myself in 10 years, um, speaking, I, I, I see myself like speaking with no shoes on, like in nature, sort of like Julie Andrews in the sound of music with friends and mm. family. I'm like leading some type of something and it's sunny and it's, I feel so free. So I've done that. And that's me now. I did that two years ago. So in eight years, Um, So that really Mm -hmm. reading that vision that I wrote down in my journal and typed it helps me. And I, if someone, if someone's like me, you know, 
15 years ago and can't even see that, what I offer is asking yourself, what do you know that you want? Like, how do you mm. want to feel? Do you know any tangible things do you want? You want? Is there a relationship you want? Like anything, just, it, it, you know, it, it, think about this week. You know, how do you want to feel tomorrow? How do you want to feel today? Like something around getting clarity on what you want, I feel is the starting point. And as you're moving through transition, you probably have like some space in your day Two, just write down the question on a journal. What do I really want? How do I want to feel? What are things that I want in my reality? I really believe that is a starting point to authenticity to like finding the thing that you're meant to do and meant to be and meant to love and meant to experience. Luca, I so appreciate all of that. So tangible and so helpful. I want to go back to your definition of faith. Can you remind me, you said, I, I remember, I think vision, committed action, but I, I'm getting it wrong. So tell me those three elements. And then I want to go back to something else you said. Yeah, so growing up, faith was always something so far away from me, something that I felt when I was listening to a worship song. I, I it just, I, I, you know, I, it just sort of like God was always so far away or so big that I could just like never, I don't, I, I just, I didn't know how to build a relationship with Him that supported me daily. So mm -hmm. I recreate my, my I recreated a definition of faith, which is like belief in the unseen. So sort of like a vision mm -hmm. plus mm -hmm. committed action, you know, plus, you know, taking mm -hmm. some steps to where you want to be. And it's not overworking, overdoing, overbeing. Like it's not that. It's just take a step. And patience, like freaking pay. Shins. And that's what I'm learning right now, especially through a transition. It's like, yeah, I know where I want to be as a youth coach and speaker, you know, as just mm -hmm. someone who mm -hmm. lives, continues to live freely and loves and has great friends and does amazing things that he wants to do and just is happy and my at peace with my mental health. Mm -hmm. I love that definition. When you when you started, you started to talk about and addressing worry. And you talked about you created the statement that you read that orients your imagination and your mind and your focus towards 10 years down the road. I love this definition of faith, this belief in the unseen plus committed action plus patience. And for me, I'm thinking about our siblings, sisters, brothers who are in transition or worrying about something, finances, the, the Super Bowl, your family, relationships, your career, your children. And I think about worry as like it is your definition of faith towards an undesired outcome. 
So it's like this belief, it's a negative belief in something that you can't see yet. So this outcome is going to be negative. You have committed action in reaction to that. You're not necessarily investing in that. Let's say you're really concerned that your child, something's going to happen to a child or that something's going to happen at work or your boss is going to whatever. If you have worrying about that is believing in that unseen outcome. If that unseen outcome is something that is guiding your imagination, you are reacting to that, whether you're trying to push past it or you're trying to manipulate away from it. However, your actions are still being driven by that, ima that image. And then the patience piece, it almost feels like it is impatient. So worry is impatient. It doesn't have ability to see or to trust in a long-term or long-term vision of goodness and wholeness. It's something you said earlier about uh, trusting that things will work out better than you can imagine. Worry is impatient. It is an impatient belief in an unwanted, unseen outcome that creates reactive, committed action, either towards or away from, but still in reaction to the unwanted outcome. And our life still becomes oriented by that imagination, that vision of the future. So when you said that, I'm thinking about our siblings going through, and I love that process because what you wrote in your journal became a direct response to that worry for you. So you, you can take that thing. <sighs> for me, I, you know, I worry about finances. And you talked about my creativity is abundant, I think, or something like that. Your, your creativity um, provides, I think, would you say? Provision? Yeah, my, my creativity <clears throat> provides abundantly. Whew, so good. And that, to me, that can become a statement in direct, not opposition, but it can orient us to a, a future of possibility. If it has to do with your children, whatever that worry is, you can create that statement that does remind you of what is true, that puts your belief in a wanted, a desired, and intended outcome. And then it can orient you to committed action towards that thing. You could even create strategy around that. And then patience. And patience that's grounded in a trust that, this, hey, this could work out better than I ever imagined. And I know that some personalities are much more bent for that. It's much easier for certain personalities or certain life experiences to trust that way. I know that, um, you know, if you're in a, in a season of depression or you feel a little depressive or uh, you're, you're working through, walking through rejection, rejection on the job, rejection in a relationship, feeling misunderstood, not cared for, valued, or whatever, it can be really hard to trust. But I think this is the reminder of the possibility. And just that imagination for you, if you can imagine possibility beyond where you are, it can reorient your belief to something positive unseen. You can create committed action. And like Lucas said, not this tremendous three-year strategy to become the world's 
leading expert on pencils and uh, dry erase boards or whatever the heck your career thing is. But it just the next right thing. I find myself so much, Luca, thinking about Frozen 2 as a girl dad. And there's this moment where one of the characters is, is uh, uh, Anna is walking through some tremendous grief. And she's so overwhelmed. And she doesn't know what to do. She's lost every relationship that means something to her. She feels so alone. The beauty of, of this Disney song in this moment for her is that we don't just rush to the positivity. She gets to lament and grieve what she's feeling, this tremendous loss of these people and relationships to her. And she works through this for two, two minutes or so. And then she finds herself getting to a place where she can believe just one next step. What's the next right thing? And it, to me, I find myself when I'm in, in, in spaces of where I need to trust, I find myself not just grasping, but trying to create the image of, okay, just the next right thing. Just the next right thing. Let's do the next right thing. And that's been really helpful for me. So I, I really appreciate you welcoming us, guiding us to really tangible practices. And, you know, I think writing it down is really beautiful if you're a person who's auditory, you know, you can open up your, your voice memo app on your phone and remind yourself of some things that are true. And sometimes you might not be able to see forward and imagine. Sometimes for me, it's helpful to just remind myself, okay, last time I was in a hard situation like this, this is how it worked out. Or just going back to remember the, the times where it did work out better than I thought it would where I was surprised by goodness, I think that can be helpful also. Luca, any, any last thoughts on that before we move into trying to reflect a little bit on scripture and just the invitation to authenticity? Yeah, it's just, I mean, as you were sharing back that definition of worry, I'm like, gosh, that's been me, you know, and it, 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 it's, mm. it, 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 I, 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 it's so, I'm saying this aloud to you, to listeners and to myself, we are meant to do life in community, in communion mm. with others for this moment right here. Mark, as you were sharing mm. that, I'm like, Luca. You have a choice to live into that anti-vision, something you don't want, and like have mm -hmm. this committed action because you're thinking about it so much. And you also have the choice to be like, you know what? I release that, you know, that that's definitely trying to keep you safe, you know, or trying to make sure that you're not homeless or whatever it is. And you mm -hmm. have the choice yeah, to yeah. see something brighter, you know, you have the choice to see possibility. And I'm at such a grounded moment in my life where I feel that I can speak this possibility to myself and others. Back in November and December, I was definitely in a depressed state. I, I experienced seasonal depression, definitely with the holidays coming around and just complex family relationships, 
um, especially with me fully expressing myself and people not being able to hold the love that I need. Um, so mm. when I was in mm-hmm. that state, Mark, I, I could I could not have this conversation with you right now. I could not talk about vision work. All I was doing, like I fucking love Frozen 2. I love that song. I love <laughs> the example mm-hmm. of a human experience that it's showing for children. Like, I've sang that song mm-hmm. so many times to myself, just the next right step, the next right thing. Mm-hmm. And I think about mm-hmm. in in November and December, some of the next right things for me were get up, wash my face, brush my teeth, and walk to a coffee yeah. shop where I knew the Bartistas were going to have a great conversation with me. You know, like mm-hmm. get up. Mm-hmm. Put my shoes on, go on my longboard, just go for a ride. So if listeners, if you're more in uh, in depression right now or are experiencing anxiety, you know, maybe that's your clarity. <laughs> that small, you know, what do you really want? Well, I want to do this one thing or this I, I wanna I wanna connect with somebody. Like I'm so glad in those moments I I told my Bartistas at this coffee shop, I'm like, you don't know how much you freaking helped me this last two weeks, you know? Um, Mm, They were my community. mm -hmm. I had my therapist. Mm -hmm. I reached out to a psychiatrist. I thought about anxiety and depression meds for the first time, and I'm on them today, and they're definitely supporting me. I um, had to ask friends for things, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just, I, I, I love this being in communion mark because it's like mm-hmm. we're on a we're 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 two trains on two tracks right next to each other and like you know there, mm. there's maybe one moment that let, let's just say you and i are these trains and there's there's one moment where i'm like you know what i'm feeling like motivated confident i'm seeing more possibility mark like let let let, let mm-hmm. me do a little of, of the pooling let, let me like carry you along you know these trains are co- connected and, and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. then there's the moment where I'm like, damn, I'm really going through it. Then Mark's like, you know, just speaking some wisdom into me right now about worry and anti-vision and you're pulling me. So it's just like going back and forth in a forward direction. Um, mm-hmm. And if I was by myself, gosh, I, I there's moments I can't pull myself out of the worry or out of the depression or the anxiety or the, mm-hmm. what if it all goes wrong? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we need somebody else to be the person who says, who doesn't try to put a silver lining on our story or tie our anxiety up in a, in a little bow and make everything going to be good again, but that can sit with us with empathy to be with us in that and somehow graciously and empathetically hold us and invite us forward to pull our train a little bit even if it's just a few feet, just to see a little bit around the corner or to, to perceive our current situation from a just a different, a slightly different perspective that allows more hope and more possibility. I think, you know, when you shared that, two things came up for me. One is your next right thing is yours. It is so, mm. it is as unique as you are. So when you look around, I think we could all do with less social media, <laughs> but your your the comparison that happens, you know, when you look at 
for me, when I think of my age and where I'm at and where do I want to be and when I look at my children and all these kinds of things, it's like I can tend to judge my next right thing on someone next to me on a different train, on a different track. And the beauty of invitation for you is your next right thing is as unique as you. You could do every single thing that you see someone next to you do, and it still wouldn't necessarily create the life that you want for you or your vision or your 10-year vision or whatever. So just be gracious to yourself to know that your next right thing literally is as unique as you are. It probably should come from within you. And, and it will speak to right where you are. And for Luca, it was get up, wash face, brush teeth, go to the coffee shop. And for, for you, it might be similar or it might be different. It might be take a walk in the sun. I, you have five minutes and that's it. But you're going to get some vitamin D, walk around your block, say hi to a neighbor, text your family, text a friend, an ally, someone you can trust, someone that you know loves you to lean into that. Your next right step might be to say to somebody, I am not doing well and I'm done pretending that I am. And to find that support that you need to allow yourself to need help. So I would just, I just want to say that because sometimes we can be paralyzed by, well, what is the right next step? Mm. I, I always say a step is better than no step. Even if it's a misstep, you learn that, okay, well, that's not the right way. But I think if you take the time, if you have a friend, a trusted friend, a trusted advisor who can listen and help you to hear your own heart from within, then you take that faithful step. Be faithful to that. Don't betray yourself in the ways that you would lead yourself forward. That's one thing. I think the other thing that came up for me was around identity and the, t the things that may have served you when you were six and seven dealing with your family of origin realities, the things that served you when you were in your teens in high school or out of high school, the things that served you in earlier stages of life don't always serve you to become who you intend to be. Mm. So when you think about what does it mean to be mature and you think about your three-year, five-year, 10-year vision, well, sometimes the behaviors or the attitudes or the beliefs that got you through other times, they're not going to get you to where you want to be. Some of those beliefs are very limited. They cannot help you become the extraordinarily creative and powerful being that you are. So just know that a thinking or a thought process that may have served you in a previous transition time may not be the one that serves you in this transition time or through this challenge. And that's okay. And that is absolutely okay. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. Again, I know it's easy for me to say. Uh, it's always easier for me to say it to you. I also have to say these things to me too. So just know that I'm not saying it from a place of like, I'm not on the mountaintop looking down like, oh yeah, you, you can get here too. <laughs> I'm literally like on this mountain journey up the mountain like you are facing like these similar barriers, these more mature versions of barriers that I faced my entire life. And I'm with you and I'm evolving also and transforming and I'm learning to transform or to mature my thought and my belief 
around each moment. So um, we're with you. You're not alone. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Well, let's transition to scripture for a little bit, Luca, because everybody wants to like talk about scripture. Just kidding. But we do it as a practice to ground us in ancient um, thought. And I think having Luca here gives us some unique perspective. When I talked to Luca, I was telling him that for me, this next month heading towards Easter, in the church calendar, we think of it as Lent. And I have been thinking about what does it mean to suffer? What does it mean to grieve? What does lament mean? What does it look like? And for many of us, it has been a really, I mean, since 2020, even 2019, we thought we were turning the corner in 21. We more and more 22, more 23. There's just been a lot of disruption. And I'm not sure if we've grieved at all. Lament is a, uh, Lent is even this season of, um, in the Christian church tradition, it is Christ looking ahead to the cross, this journey towards that suffering. And I don't think that we talk about it enough. So I'm going to use the scripture that we talked about previously and we'll talk all the way through it, all the, well, not all the way through it, but we'll talk about it. We'll see what you think you can let us know. Luca, let me read this passage. This passage comes from this person who has been transformed. <clears throat> He's innovative. He has surrendered a lot of power and prestige to join the small growing movement of people who believe Jesus is the Messiah. He believes he had this encounter with a um, with Jesus, and his name is now Paul. He used to be Saul. He has so many credentials and accolades. He's writing into the high the superpower of his time, trying to help them understand who Jesus was, why it mattered that he was here, and so he writes this book to the Roman empire and to people in Rome, the church in Rome. There's this passage that stood out when I think about suffering that I want to read. And we'll just talk about it. Luca, he says, you know, there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise, even when we're hemmed in with suffering. Because we know how suffering can develop passionate patience in us. We know how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue. It keeps us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy like this, we are never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the opposite. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. It's Romans 5, 3 through 5, the message version. Luca, when you hear that in the context of our conversation about patience and trusting that something could be better than we ever imagined, what comes up for you when you hear that read? 
gosh, so much comes up. The timing of that I needed to hear. Ugh, I could say so many things that the one thing that I want to to share is I think about March 12th, 2015, almost eight years ago, when my mom and I had a conversation about me being gay. And like I shared earlier, you know, my mom was probably in so much shock and confusion and questions from my ex coming and talking to her for, at the house for three hours, finding mm -hmm. out that, her contacting me. But just in that moment, I remember her saying like, oh, I just hope you don't bring someone like so feminine home or like da 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 da, -da. You know, I think her only, pers only way she saw queer people were on the TV. I don't think at that moment... We mm -hmm. had like one family friend that was gay, but you know, mm -hmm. so, so my mom only saw an image on, on TV and she grew up being the good Christian girl was with my dad married for 15 years, was very verbally abusive and, and has told me she stayed in that, you know, she, because she thought that was the right thing. Um, it's what mm -hmm. she was told a good Christian girl would do. She wanted to stay in because of me. Um, you know, and, and I'm not going to share more of my mom's story. That's for her to share, um, if she wants, mm -hmm. but like this, so just sort of painting a picture of my mom showing up to my human experience being gay, um, mm. like didn't, wasn't someone that was like, oh, I will never talk to you. You're a faggot, da, 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 like, you know, you can't ever come mm. home, was nothing that aggressive, but I mm -hmm, felt mm -hmm. the non-judgmental, unaffirming energy, and, and, and I, you, you can just feel that. So that was March 12th, 2015, and, and, and my mom has always been a loving person. I, I, we've always mm -hmm. had a great relationship, and I think back to my 29th birthday, Last year, two years ago now, my mom asked to come to my birthday in West Hollywood, very okay. queer area, coming to <laughs> a birthday dinner. You know, I would say there was like 60% queer people at the the, the table, uh, asked to go to a, the Abbey, a queer club in West Hollywood after, and was just like so excited to be there and just mm. was... Like, it, it, it just reminded me, gosh, like, I would have never, ever in a million years thought my mom would want to be in this area, show up, be so accepting. Like, you know, some of my friends who don't have a great relationship with their parents because they're queer and Christian, you know, we're like, oh, I wish I had that. And I'm like, you know what? It hasn't always been like that. Um and just mm -hmm. as you were reading that passage, it was like the patience, the, 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 the patience. And it's happened like the abundance, the abundance. Like, I'm like, wow, like I, I'm speaking mm. at Tampa Pride next month. And my mom was like, OK, what are the dates? I want to be there. I, I, I want to watch you, you know, so my mom's going to fly mm. to Tampa for like 48 hours to be there, Aww. just supporting me. So Mark, like that passage is really hitting home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's so, it's so true in many aspects of my life, but for sure this one. Mm. 
Luca, when you say that, I'm so grateful that you say that. I'm so grateful that you're experiencing that. And I'm thinking about our siblings, sisters and brothers who they're still in that space of patience where it still feels like suffering. And it still is suffering because they, their parents still won't welcome them home for the holidays. Their parents are still expecting them to be someone that they're not. They're not, they're not experiencing that. So I, I feel like I'm grieving a bit for that. And then I think about this passage almost in like a toxic positivity place. And I think one of our roles in, in, as the Kinship Collective is to try to reframe some of the ways that Scripture has been co-opted um, into something really unhealthy and I think something that it wasn't intended to be. And so I imagine this passage is something that has made people, maybe even like your mother, like you mentioned, who are experiencing suffering in a way that's unhealthy and unnecessary. And it's almost like you're choosing to stay in a, in a situation that is unhealthy and unnecessary suffering. It's like our interpretation of suffering is, um, is a little out of whack. And I say that because I'm like, and, I, and I'm pausing because I am imagining the person who stays in a abusive relationship for 10 years or 20 years looking back and saying, I guess I'm thinking about the metric of let me finish that first statement, uh, ADHD problems. <laughs> I'm thinking about the people who would look back over their relationship, a relationship with somebody that was unhealthy or an unhealthy pattern of behavior that consistently manifested unhealthy life results. That could have been with anything. But you kept doing it and you're looking back over 20 years and you, you look back and say, oh, man, I'm not better for that. But I think that there's a way that anybody could look back over 20 years of whatever and say, like, I'm better because of that. I guess I'm kind of in a space where I'm like, how do we make meaning of that? But I feel one of the indicators of unnecessary like the the suffering that we're talking about here is not the suffering of choice where there's unhealthy power dynamics and someone else's behavior is putting your identity in a box is putting you in a box and is bringing harm to you so i guess and, and I, you know it's funny I, I think i'm finding myself trying to tie a bow on this and maybe i think what paul's getting at is that God is at work. So what you said about faith, remember that God is at work. When you create this tempered, um, this alertness or expectation that what God will do next, there is a sense of the positivity we talked about or possibility. Is there possibility around us? And for wherever you're at in your journey right now, some of us, you're listening, you're like, yeah, I don't know about my idea of God right now. Some of us, we still have a really functional 
theology understanding of God that we grew up with, and we're still trying to make sense of how do we, how does that fit my life today? So however you imagine what it means that God is at work in the world, Paul's writing this thing to say, hey, God is at work. There's possibilities here. You couldn't even round up enough containers to hold everything that God wants to, that God is generously pouring out into the world, into your life, into your life through the Holy Spirit. But there's something, I don't know, I can't put my finger on it, Luca, but there's something that feels like unhealthy. And I guess my question, I, I guess I'm trying to create an answer, but really the question that comes up for me is, how do I know when suffering is healthy, when it's harmful? And I guess for me, then it's like, should we use a different word for suffering then? Because I feel like, is there a word that's more clear about the nature of suffering? Then another question that comes up is, well, can any circumstance make us more mature? Can we heal through anything? Can anything be our teacher? Can anything grow us? And I guess for me, the answer to that in my perspective is yes, but will I surrender my agency, my power, my ability to create my imagination? If I'm surrendering that, then I'm becoming less of me, less possible. I guess I have more questions than I have like answers on this one. <clears throat> what do you think, Luca? I mean, it's just beautiful to watch you pause and remain curious. <laughs> you know, and I think I mm. really see that in you because I see that in me. I mean, that's how I started this conversation. That's my human experience right now. You know, I for, from from my experience, I believe that I've grown into more myself from challenging experiences, which can be called suffering, and then also through intentional growth you know, through intentional, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. whether that's therapy or life coaching or a good book or, you know, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have the answer either. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what I, what I can say is like, for example, last year I went through and I'm still experiencing family transition. I'm learning how to grieve family members that are still alive, a, a past relationship with them. And mm. a lot of that has felt like suffering. Did I want to choose that? No, I, I wish I wish every single family member can give me the love that I need, like how I see it on TV, how you know this this picture. And what I did choose was a commitment to belong to myself, a commitment to, mm. to show up authentically as me in my freedom. And for me choosing that, whether it made people feel uncomfortable because they're like, oh, well, why can't I do that? They could, but, you know, or they just don't love themselves enough to be able to hold loving me or they're just still in a system of oppression they don't even realize it um mm -hmm. you know for me i just go back to 
like, what's the next right step to honor my authenticity? You know, and a lot of the times Mm -hmm. um, there is that, there has been a lot of suffering for me. And I don't know if it's because like what I know to feel is to feel. And if I want to feel the Mm -hmm. deepest love, the greatest peace, the most joy, it's also opening myself up to feeling that deep hurt and that deep sadness and that Mm -hmm. deep um, Mm -hmm. angry anger. So, you know, I just, I, yeah, I, I see exactly what you mean. Cause it's not like I'm like trying to choose suffering. Cause I don't want to like, you know, suffer and have that like such difficulties Mm -hmm. and like, I am just choosing like my authenticity. And I guess, I guess that's just the path. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. I think something that comes up for me when you're sharing is integrity. And I, mm-hmm. it's not about, you know, what you do in the dark that comes out in the light or anything like that. For me, integrity has come to mean fortitude and the structure, the internal strength of a thing. So the integrity of a building is how strong, how much can it stand up to the test of weather or earthquake or um, the, the integrity of a table, how much weight can it hold? So when I think about the integrity of our lives and our character, our choices, and for you, you know, so when, when the writer in this, in this passage talks about forging the tempered steel of virtue, and I think about you, what you said about you set this virtue or this value as a guiding, orienting reality that I will be authentic. I will be loved. I will be who I am. I must belong to myself first. So if I ever have to compromise that belonging to myself, then I become, I've betrayed myself. Then I'm less integral and I'm, I'm internally less fortified. I can't trust myself and I can't, you know, then I, then I can hear myself less. And I think even as I say that, I know that there are people who you have betrayed a voice, a little voice in your heart, in your mind before, and it keeps coming back up for you. There's something there for you. There's something to be revisited there. I think for, um, if you are somebody who, you are, it's almost like you feel like you're still slightly out of whack. <laughs> like you just feel like you're, 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 the trajectory of your life still isn't quite fully true to who you are. I think there's some work to be done there. Just to understand, okay, can you go back to the last time that you remembered, you knew that you knew something within yourself about something whatever it was, and you might have betrayed yourself on that thing uh, and invested in not trusting yourself. But for me, when I hear you talk about, I will belong to myself first, and the other things in the world will kind of, it's almost like the chips will fall where they may as it relates with family or whatever, not in a, in a way that doesn't take those things seriously to think about the loss that you're experiencing and trying to grieve even now. But for me, that comes up now, too, is like integrity, that internal fortitude 
around the values that you're aligned with that are true within you that you can create that and that ability to trust yourself and no matter about the times that you may have betrayed yourself in the past you can do the next right thing today that builds self-trust self-confidence self-esteem self-love self-belonging which I think also then creates love and esteem and belonging outside of yourself. Mm. So that's something that comes up for me too, Luca there. Luca, that's incredible. You're such an incredible human being. I'm so grateful for your time today. Would you help us understand how we can get access to some of your coaching materials, some of your online trainings? You mentioned that light your leadership process of visioning. Share with us some of that stuff before we're out of here. Yeah, Mark, thank you for this this time together. I, I feel more like myself because mm. of you and the space you created. So thank you. Mm. You're so welcome, man. And yeah, so I mean, I you, we can totally connect on Instagram at Luca underscore Petrucci. Uh, I love hanging out there, learning the balance though, definitely learning everything in balance. Um, I do <laughs> a lot of speaking with high school and college students around authenticity. A lot of the things we talked about, I'm all about bringing these resources to students who don't have all this access. So a lot of the things I support students with are um, how to help them be more confident in themselves, to trust themselves, to set goals that align with what they want in their future, and just really to be that mentor and role model that I wish I had when I was experiencing um, you know, challenging moments in my life like we talked a lot about. So I lead different um, mm -hmm. talks and workshops and retreats and programs. Um, yeah, so that's sort of sort of where I am, and I have my website. I'll, we can put in the show notes, lucapetrucci.com, and yeah, it's I'm here if you ever just want to talk to as a friend. I, I love just having honest conversations like this. It lights me up. Come on. Luca, we're so grateful that you would invest uh, your time in this way in us. For you, my sister, my brother, my sibling, The next right thing for you, if you find yourself in that space that feels dark, that feels hopeless, where there doesn't feel like there's a lot of possibility, may you remember the next right thing. If it's just sitting up before you get up, it's turning on the light before you wash your face. Just know that there is possibility. And Luca is this example that if we can continue to do the right thing, try to listen well and to be faithful to those inspirations within yourself, that you can make it through that valley, through that dark space, and then reorient yourself to integrity and self-fortitude and self-esteem and self-love and self-belonging. You are so loved and we are family. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this or to meet you at one of our events coming up soon. Much love, y'all. Peace. We are